Open your Bibles in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to be reading together from there as our main scripture this morning. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to get into the word of God for us today. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to open your word, the exciting opportunity to learn from you and the incredible tool that you've given us, your word, Father. I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each one of us uh, by your power this morning as we look at your word, Lord, that we will have open ears and open hearts to respond to what it is that you call us to as your people, in Jesus' name, amen. We are busy with a a series called There's Joy, and this is in response or as a build-up of our devotion series. I said this last week that when I study the New Testament church, and we studied it and we're busy looking at it, it says throughout the book of Acts that they had incredible joy. There was great joy in the city, they had joy and they were being filled with the Holy Spirit, and a few things happened that actually caused them to have joy. And to continue walking in joy. The one that we spoke of about last week was that there's joy in God's presence. And, and Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 from Psalm 16 that says that in your presence is fullness of joy. And we looked at what that means. If you didn't listen to that, if you weren't here, I would strongly encourage you to go and listen to that online to get the full benefit of this series. And this morning, we're going to talk about there's joy in sharing. When I look at the New Testament church, they joyfully shared every single thing they had. And no one counted what they had as their own. And that's what we're going to discover to, to this morning together and what that looks like. I remember growing up as a little boy that I had a very vivid picture of what joy would look like to me personally. My picture and my idea of, of joy was so strong that all my, my, my email passwords I've changed it since, so don't go and try and access my emails. Had this picture as the reference for my password. And this was my picture as a little boy of what joy looks like. <laughs> so for those of you who aren't into cars, that's a Dodge Viper. That's the 2017 edition. And since I was a little boy, I remember being mesmerized by this car. Never seen one. Just saw it on pictures. I, the closest I've been to a Dodge Viper is buying myself one of those little those little models, you know, the ones you get at the toy stores, but the big one. And I tried to find it in my house. I still own that. I know that it's somewhere, but I think it's a storage. I couldn't find it this weekend. But when I thought about what it would make me joyful, that was always the picture I had in mind. And then I thought, one day, I'm going to do the noble thing. I'm going to get this car, and I'm going to give it that number plate, which is on the next picture. Psalm 37, verse 4. For those of you who don't know what it says, it says, delight yourself in God and he will give you the desires of your heart. So here am I as a little boy growing up and saying, yes, Jesus, but I love you. I deeply love you. I delight in you. So I know one day I am going to own a Dodge Viper Red 2017 limited edition and I'm going to be happy. We watched the most silly movie yesterday with Alika, the Trolls movie. I don't know if any of the parents saw that, but the, the terrible old and ugly trolls have to eat the little trolls because unless they do it, they will never be happy. And I realized something, just quickly, Psalm 37 verse 4, a quick exegesis on that. When you read it properly and the way it is written in the original text, it says, delight yourself in Jehovah and he shall place in your heart desires. 
whole different approach, right? So it's not like I walk with Jesus and I'm happy and then, phew, I would love to have that car and then, boom, the car is available. No, it's the other way around. I walk with Jesus and then I start feeling desires which he put there and he would fulfill and that causes joy. And I realized that growing up, and somewhat this is the message that life shouts at us is there's joy in getting. When we get, we will have joy. When you have that car, when you have that thing, when you have that, there will be joy. And that's the message that I grew up with. It wasn't my parents' fault. It was just the propaganda around us of the world. And, and like, you know what? If you have X, Y, and Z, you will be a joyful individual. Thank God he took that picture of the Dodge Viper out of my heart. And he taught me in my walk with him that the greatest joy I could have is by sharing my life. And sharing what God has entrusted to be and not by getting. It's one of the biggest lessons my parents taught us as children is give, be generous. Be extravagant in the way that you help others. I remember how my parents would buy cars and give it away to families that need it. They had the means at some point. And then I remember when the tables turned and they didn't have the means, how God came through for for them because they showed themselves faithful in the times where they had more than enough. And we see this in the book of Acts. I'm going to read, it'll be on the screen, out of Acts chapter 2, which has been our, our focus scripture for the past few weeks. But then we're also going to look at the same scenario in Acts chapter 4. So let's read together Acts chapter 2, verse 43 to 47. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Isn't that bold? That is quite bold. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They had joy. They were generous in their hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Their generosity and the joy that came out of it made the people of the world look at them and say, wow, that is amazing. And it gave them favor with the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Then there's an account in Acts 4, and Brian spoke about it this morning. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, unity. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common, and great grace was upon them all. I underline that word grace. Everyone say grace. Remember it. We're going to look at that in a short while. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as they were owners of lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what is sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. That is quite bold living, I think. And I, I, I remember once having a conversation with someone saying, but you need to understand the economic environment that this church was in. There was no other way. And then I, I, I can't stand and pause and think about the economic environment that we as a country are in. And then I think, but there is no other way. This is the kingdom principle of God saying, you know what, and I believe this, that in every house there's enough supply that everyone's needs will be supplied. That here and amongst us, God has given enough that if we start sharing and we don't count what we have as our own, then there will be enough supply in the house. 
So this morning, we're going to discover that there is joy in sharing like that. Some of us might think, oh, joy, here we go. My prayer this morning is that as you look at the word of God and you reflect that to your life, that you will find the joy that this church had in sharing what they had together. I want to say this, that this wasn't a poor and a rich scenario. It doesn't say it in here. It doesn't say that those who were rich gave so that those who were poor had something. No, no, no. These people had a total different approach to it. They said, we together have enough, regardless of of my situation, regardless of whether I have more than enough and regardless of whether I have little, we believe that together we do have enough. No matter if their bankroll was big or small, they gave it all. These people didn't sit and say, okay, all the rich people come together. How much do you have? You know what? You need to give more because here we've got all those who battle. And, and they no, no, no. As a people who lived devoted to God and it's out of their devotion to Jesus that this heart was cultivated in them. They just said, we're going to go potluck and throw everything together and there will be enough in the house. And again, I say that is pretty bold. Who of you listen to this and think, oh my word, that's impossible. Let's be honest. Anyone want to say that this morning? Okay. We're going to see how God makes it possible. They didn't give because there was a tax benefit they didn't give because there was a social media campaign. And those things aren't bad. They gave because their hearts were turned to God and his people in his house. And it stopped me in my shoes and said, God, when were the times where I gave out of any other reason than being fully devoted and in love with you? Because yes, all of these things that the world offer are good. I'm not saying throw it out. But do I give because of that or do I give because you in your, your, your walk with me pull me to a place where I'm like, God, and we're going to see how the Israelites lived like this in Exodus. What you've entrusted to me is open and it's available to everyone. They lived a shared life. They said, you know what, what we have, we will open up. I had a conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago. He said, you know what, it's going a little bit tight at the moment. I said, <clears throat> I can agree with that. And the individual said, well, why don't we just start eating together? One night our house, one night your house. I said, no, that's a fantastic idea. That could actually benefit us. We haven't started doing it. Um, but these people lived a shared life. And here at Every Nation Summit of West, and I'm going to really try and bring it home to our reality. There are people in amongst us who could benefit from us saying we want to live like this. What I love is when, when I have the opportunity to tell someone, you know what, there is a family in our church who's currently in need. Would you mind helping out? And they turn to me and say, I would never say that person X and Y is in need. I'm like, well, why not? It's because they're always just joyful. And I love that. It's that people don't walk around saying, you know what, there's, there's, there's amazing people here who even in their hardest times, they find it in themselves to joyfully worship God. And make him the center. And he constantly supplies their need. We've got a benevolence fund here as church. Where every month we give what we receive together away to those families. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that at the end of my sermon. But listen to this scripture. 1 John 3 verse 16 to 18. By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. 
That's for the church, for the community. But if anyone has the world's goods and he sees his brother in need, yet he closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? I think this question wasn't asked to be answered. It's a rhetorical question. If I walk and I've got my more than enough and I see someone who's lacking and I say, "Uh uh-uh, mine, not yours, how does God's love abide in my heart? Little children, he's addressing them like that, saying, you know what, you think like little children. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Generosity bridges the gap between talk and truth. We can say we are generous, but do we actually live it that it's a truth in our lives where we say what God has entrusted to us, we will share with others. And I want to say this disclosure. Today isn't a giving message. Please don't say, sit and, and, and filter this through. Uh, it's a massive giving message. I'm trusting God that he would speak by the power and the comfort of his Holy Spirit to you so that you can understand that we as a community can live in a way that is beautiful to him and it brings life to many which desperately need it today and from here forward. So let's read out of 2 Corinthians 8, chapters 1 to 15. If you've got your Bible, follow with me. If not, then just listen. And the, the title for this chapter is Encouragement to Give Generously. So let's listen what happened. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, and he speaks about the church in Macedonia and their generous giving. He says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe taste of affliction, their abundance of joy... And their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Let's pause for a minute. The church in Macedonia were faced with affliction. And that affliction that they faced with the poverty that they found themselves in, yet their abundant joy in Jesus and in the community God has placed them in, overflowed, the Bible says, into a wealth of generosity. I wonder what a wealth of generosity looks like. Not even just moving from not giving to becoming generous. This church, in the least that they have, were wealthy in their generosity. For they gave according to their means. In other words, they didn't go and swipe their credit cards, which they didn't have then. They, what they had, they gave. As I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. This church were afflicted with poverty. And because of the joy of Jesus, they begged the apostles that they can actually give and partake in giving to the other churches. Isn't that mind-blowing? That they were so filled with God's joy that they said, we don't want to lose out even though we don't have a lot. Again, it's not the rich and the poor. We don't have much, but we want to participate in the work of your kingdom. And joyfully we will do this. That is a powerful picture right there. And Paul uses this to encourage the church in Corinth. He says, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had shared, so he should complete among you this act of grace. There's that word again, grace. As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. 
Giving is an act of grace. This isn't out of our own strength, because frankly, out of my own strength, it's impossible. (laughs) I would much rather hold on to what I feel I deserve. And then further down it says, finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. He's saying, give in accordance to what you have which is a good thing. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but as a matter of fairness, let's say fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need so that there may be fairness. As it is written, and he quotes Exodus chapter 16, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. He's saying Church in Corinth, look at this example. Here's a church who don't have a lot, yet they still gave because they found it joyful to partake in the work of the kingdom. Now, I'm not telling you that you should give where you don't have because they didn't do it like that. They gave where they had. But you go and look at what you do have and let's apply a little bit back to this church because they're currently needing. But you know, the one day the tables might turn and they're gonna supply when you need And that is what generous community looks like. It's saying that we would live in a way that tonight there's food in our house, let's invite someone that we don't don't have. Because next week, something might have happened, the car's tire burst and I needed to replace it and I don't have the means to buy dinner for tonight. So, hey, can we come over? That's what he's trying to teach us. He's not saying, you Corinth, rich church, empty your wallets and give it to them. He's saying, you Corinth, look at their example. They gave to you previously, even out of their poverty. Why don't you take it in your hearts to change your hearts up and give to them while you are in a moment of abundance? It changes the way we think about this, right? So three things that stands out of this scripture. First of all, is a generous community is by grace. There's three scriptures I want to reiterate. Verse one says, we want you to know about the grace among the churches. Second Corinthians 8 verse 7 B, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Acts 4 verse 33, and great grace was upon them all. As I've said already, giving is by grace. Jesus said, freely you received, now go and freely You are custodians of my grace. I have come to you with my grace. Now you go with that same grace and you share it with the world. It's us saying, Lord, we don't want to be a tap and connect ourselves to the tap as a hose and open up the taps of your grace and then we put a knot in because we want to keep it to ourselves. What's going to happen is that thing is going to go, go, go and then one day it'll blow. What What 2 Corinthians is teaching us here is You received grace from Jesus. You received grace in what he has supplied to you. Now with grace and his grace to give you the power to go and share that with others. The second thing that he says here this morning is that generous community is an overflow of joy. I had an interesting encounter this week. I just want to pick up the letter. By chance, unplanned on Thursday, I ended up at Macro in Cape 
Cape Gate, and uh, Andre was there with me. Uh, we didn't plan. We were just both there. I said, hey, I know you're in Cape Town. Are you still here? He said, yes. I said, well, let's have a coffee. We end up in this coffee shop, and um, just the night before, we've done some evangelism training for the Germany team. And I go off to the loo quickly while Andre sits down, and I come back, and I see him having a conversation with the waitress. I'm like, yes, things are happening. So he just looked at a name because we learned about mirrors and how in evangelism, the first thing you do is you look for a mirror. So if you like cars and you see someone with a great car and you feel like God wants you to speak to him, he says, yeah, man, I love your car. And there's a good conversation point. So the mirror that Andre saw on, on, with this girl is her name was Angel. And he said, you've got a beautiful name. Do you know, do you believe in angels? And out of that, the conversation started happening. The short of the long is... God gave us a prophetic word for this lady, not knowing her story. But prior to the prophetic word, she gave us a letter, which I'm going to share with you. It's important that you see the sequence of events here. It was only at the end that we prayed for her and gave her a prophetic word. She wrote the letter before that moment. And I'm going to share the letter in a minute. But what came out of the prophetic word, the picture that God has given us, is that she carries a purse. And every time she opens it up, there's light shining out of it. Like a, and like, you know, with gold, like a treasure. I didn't do that in the coffee shop. She might have just looked at me weird. And I felt to tell her that, that God's provision is enough for you, but he's called you to provide for others as well. And as you take out your hand to share, he's going to use that in your life. Unbeknown to me what the scenario is. And she just stands back and she says, I accept that word. She's from Rwanda. She moved here in hopes of a better life. And she works as a waitress and takes care of her five siblings, her ill dad, and her little child, one individual. And she said, I needed to hear that today because God is faithful. He is supplying, but sometimes I fear that it's going to run out and it won't be enough for my family. So that's what she shared with us at the end. Let's see what happened in between. I've scanned in the, the letter for you, and you might not be able to read it, but there she gives us all the details. We just asked for a number. We didn't ask for a letter. And then she wrote this on the side. A female from Rwanda who lives in Cryfontein, a believer in Christ Jesus our Lord and personal Savior, seriously looking for a church to congregate and to give my tithe and to be a family. Even in her largest affliction and challenge, she was willing to give. I read this letter and I just went like this for a few minutes and composed myself. I said, God, I've got all the reasons in the world not to. Now, I've got this and that. And, and again, this is not speaking about finances. This is speaking about a heart before God. And yet you use a lady, which I thought we're going to minister to, to minister to me with her story. She didn't write that after we prayed for her. She didn't write that in receiving something from God. She just wrote that when we said, hey, angel, give us your number. We try and connect you with our church in Cryfontein. And then I realized this, because this lady just, she walked in joy. She was friendly. Her face just lit up every time she smiled. Second Corinthians 8 verse 2 again. In the severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. That's one of two stories that I heard of this week. And the second one we've recorded for you, Pastor Linda from Every Nation Zola and his wife recently had an opportunity, even in their own shortcoming, 
to find it in themselves to open their hearts with a wealth of generosity. And with him pastoring his church across the road, he can't be here this morning. So we made use of modern technology to share the story. So it'll be up on the screen. Thanks, guys. Kate, you are the project director at Agape Educate, and you guys recently had a, a very difficult incident, but it turned out very good. Please tell us about what happened with the little boy at the school. We have a five-year-old little boy in the reception year, and he woke up one Saturday morning about a month ago covered in blood because his uncle had stabbed his own granny and aunt to death in the bed next to him. So he woke up basically an orphan with his little five-month-old baby cousin. And the same time last year, there was another family murder in the very same shack. And so we were absolutely gutted. And Tabisa loves this little boy. And we went to look for him. And we found him. And for the last month, we've been just agonizing and heartbroken for this little boy and praying for the right family for him. And yeah, just trusting God to place him in the best Christian home, hopefully in Zola and in every nation Zola. But we didn't know who. I've been asking everyone, do you want to take a little boy in? So it's, it's really burdened me, really, really burdened me over the last month. Tabisa, you're a mom yourself of five children. And what did it make you feel like, not only as a mom, but also the principal of the school, to see this little boy gutted, orphaned. How did your heart feel when you looked at this little little one? I felt sorry for the boy and I love our kids a lot. So I was wondering if any anyone can take the kid or I was maybe we can help somewhere or I was we were praying all of us about this boy. So yes we take the decision that me and Linda will take care of this boy until forever. Sure. And the boy still came to school? Yes, the boy, um, the boy coming to school and it's made me happy because I see now he's improving. And the school was probably what he needed to get through this difficult time, to have that community and that care. Yes, yes. It's amazing. Pastor Linda, so uh, over the weekend, God spoke to you about this boy, and you had a family meeting with your family on Sunday night. Tell us your story uh, with this little one. Yes, um, uh, after discussing with Tabitha the issue of the boy, uh, talking about uh, finding a right family, and then our heart really, you know, we felt that God is pointing at us that we are the family to take care of the boy. So we decided to. Uh, consult our kids. We had a meeting with the kids and we just asked them about, we just told them about the story of this boy that uh, up to now we don't have a family to keep this boy. So what, you know, how do they feel about it or uh, what they think that we, we can do. So we were amazed to see, to hear from them saying, um, you know, begging us, you know, if we can take the boy in, they love the, 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 the little boy. Yes. Uh, they, they say, no, we want just to have him among us, we will we'll love him. <laughs> yeah. Then we knew that uh, I think we, 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 we have to take the boy in. So we concluded that we'll, we'll have uh, the boy with us. Sure. So now there's six kids in the home. 
Can I ask you a challenging question? Are you fearful because it's another mouth to feed, it's another body in the house, um, you yourself live in faith, yes. so now there's another, how do you guys feel about that? Is there a moment of like, God, we hope we'll get through it, or do you have just have faith that God will supply? <laughs> yes, uh, I think we haven't really um, considered the issue of how we will, rather than we, we just felt that God is giving us an opportunity really to, to give, to be a blessing to somebody. Having these five kids and uh, loving them, and uh, we can see that they feel secured and loved, uh, having I um, interviews as their parents. We felt that to accommodate this little boy really is going to be also under this covering of love and uh, protection. So that really gave us joy that we can be able really to give uh, joy to somebody else. To, to give that protection, that uh, hope to somebody else. And that's what we see on the guys, is joy. Mm -hmm. That there's joy in sharing. Yes, thank um, you. Joy in sharing your life. I want to ask you one more question, and, and it links to the previous one. What do you consider to be true riches as a Christian? Yes, uh, we, we learned uh, a big lesson out of this, uh, that um, the true riches is, uh, is what you give. And that generosity from your heart, you know, when you extend your life and share your life with others, you, you give your heart to others. It's not what you have that uh, can, can help other people, but it's, it's, it's who you are. You know, as you give um, love to other people, you share that grace with other people. Those are the greatest riches. That uh, uh, you know, everyone has whatever you have, the little you have, sharing it to others. Mm. You know, God considers that as as the greatest riches. As riches, mm. we have just to to be known of good deeds, good works. And, you know, a, a rich person is a person who always does good, promotes or advocates for righteousness, show that goodness to other people. That that's a rich person. Yes. God told me that when you do so, you are, you are rich. You are just rich. Yes. We are inspired by the two of you. Yes. Not just with the story, but the entire life style that you live of just reaching your community, of sharing with your community. We're going to pray for you guys. We're going to pray for this little boy. Yes. And we know he's got a bright future because of your obedience. Yeah. And, and everyone that sees this video is definitely going to be praying for you guys. And we trust God with you for everything you need to continue being rich in good works as the Bible teaches us. Yes. So thanks for being an example. Thank you for being heroes. Yes. Um, we love you guys and we're super excited to see how this little boy's life is going to be changed because of your yeah. obedience. Thanks for that. Thank, Thank you. you. And also we've learned that from you, you guys. We are what we are today. We're extending what, what we've got from you. You live a simple life. Yes. You are rich in reaching out to other people's lives. So God really... You know, you know, it's, it's really telling us to extend this grace that you have also extended to us. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I want to pray for them now. Can we pray for them now? Lord, we bring the Mdolomba family to you as a community this morning where they've opened up their home and their hearts to this little broken, little broken boy. Lord, thank you that 
in their hands and with the partnering of you, Holy Spirit, that they will see this little one restored and being set as a, as a rock in you and your house, Lord. We pray, Lord, for what they need as a family. Lord, that you would provide in all their needs according to the riches we have in you, Christ Jesus. And that community will rise up around them, Father, to fulfill the call that you've given to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of the conversations around this was um, they only have five beds for their five children. So they asked the kids, where's the little boy going to sleep? And we not using his name just to protect him. And then the youngest boy says, well, he can sleep with me on my mattress. There's enough space. I'm still small. Isn't that beautiful? It's as simple as they have a heart. That's it. It's not like the Bible says, and yes, the Bible says, but it's not a law-driven thing of you have to do it like this. It's Jesus, I love you. I love you deeply. And because of that, I want to love your people deeply. We say this, we exist to love God, to love people, and to reach the world. And it's out of our love for God that our love for people stirs up. And then the joy we find when we recognize that someone sitting next to us on a Sunday are in desperate need. And sometimes we don't know. I don't think the New Testament knew exactly what happened in every other people's lives. That's why they sold what they have and they brought it to their leaders. And they said, you leaders, we entrust you with this to make sure that every single person in this house have enough. Again, in that, God says that leadership is a good thing. The leaders will make sure that the people are being taken care of. And out of that, joy will come. When I speak to Tabisa and Linda about this, and it's a pity they couldn't be here, their faces beam with joy. Because they could change a little boy's life in the midst of all the lives that they are already impacting and changing. And then I want to say one last thing. It says that in 2 Corinthians, a generous community is for equality. It says, in your current abundance, supply their need so that out of their abundance they can supply your needs so that they can be fairness. And this links back to second, uh, sorry, Exodus 16 verse 18 where God provided the manna. No man worked for the manna. No man could have claimed it for himself and said, this is mine. God provided, and he taught us a principle there. He says, but when they measured it, and this is talking about the bread from heaven, and with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. So there were some of them that got together and they got more, and then there were some of them that probably couldn't manage to get that much. I don't know what the reasons were. Maybe they didn't have baskets. Maybe they were tired. Maybe they just managed to get that much because someone else tried to scrape it together. And then God came in supernaturally. And he made sure that there's equality in what he provided. And this is what the New Testament church got. There's a principle in here where they say, God, you provide enough here so that we can have fairness and equality. So that the families in amongst this community, in this room, can have food for those who don't. And you might say, Pierre, that's bizarre. I know of families today that are struggling. And they're not sure where their food is going to come from this week. I know of families today that have been crying out to God for a solution for accommodation. And then I also know of the families that open up their homes. So that other families can come and cohabit with them until there's a solution. And that's the heart that God wants for us. And in that, we will find a joy that is unmatched. The people of the world will look at it and they will say, that is amazing. 
These people live in a way and in a lifestyle that is totally different. God's kingdom of equality has truly come when there's enough for everyone. That's what he taught the Israelites. He says, no, it's not the Egyptians who provided for you. It's all along been me. And in your deepest moment of dependence, I will provide, but I'll make sure that there's enough that everyone has. And that's how we know that the kingdom of God has come to us as a community when we live in a way that we open up our doors and our fridges and we even sell some stuff. It's what they did. And I know this word is hard for many of us because it comes against the core of what we think we deserve, of what we think we've worked for. And even that the Bible addresses that saying everything you have is by grace. It is seeds that God has given to you. It is from him. So use that in his kingdom. Use it in a way that brings honor back to the Father. I said this last week. The greatest joy I have as a dad when I look at Alika is when she's got a big box of Astros and she can't wait to gulp it all down. And then I say, you know what? Why don't you give mommy some? Because mommy craves Astros as well. And she's like, okay. And she shares. It took us a long time of teaching and training her to actually become generous. But the joy it brings to her father when she sees she's been busy raising her funds for Germany. And the only reason I'm sharing this is not to, it's, it's, it's a very close example to me. She raised some funds for Germany the one day selling cupcakes at the, the office. And we walked out of the office and along came a beggar and he asked for some money. He didn't know it's a church or nothing. He just walked past and he said, I'm hungry. And she said, Daddy, I made a whole lot of money today. Can I give him some? And she opened her little thing that she sold the cupcakes from and she took 100 rand and she gave it to this guy. And again, it's the little, the little children, the faith that God wants for us. Like, you know, God just made, helped me make 600 rand for Germany. If I take 100 rand, he's going to make me, help me get all the rest. Yet we think so systematic and so... And all I pray for us as a house is that we would get to a place where we just say, Spirit of God, make us think like you because we understand that your wisdom is foolishness to the world. And the wisdom of this world is foolishness to you. So help us in this. When we study this further, when we pray about how we become generous like that, teach it to us in a new way. Let's go on this adventure of what it could look like if we take hands together so that there's fairness and God's kingdom has come because there's enough for every one of us. How do we bring this home practically? The best application today is by starting to give to those in need in amongst us. And we've got a benevolence fund, and we discussed this as a staff, as how best do I explain this to you? And I think the best way is to just be brutally honest. We only have 4,000 rand a month available in our current budget for families that's battling here in this church. And of a church of about six or 700 people, 4,000 rand doesn't go that far. And I want us to have faith that we can up that number so that we can make sure that the families who are here amongst us who's really in a difficult situation, and we know who they are because of life groups, because of community. And if you're there today, I want you to speak to your life group leaders, to be honest. Sometimes pride comes in the way. It's not just the pride of this is mine, I'm not going to give it. It's also the pride of saying I'm not going to speak up about my reality because I'm a little fearful that people might think I... So I'm trusting God that we as a house will see our benevolence fund grow. 
that we share a little more. Maybe God has been speaking to you this morning saying, you know what, there's a couple of items that you really don't use anymore, that you really don't need. That's just, it's the tap and you've, you've locked it up and it's just blowing up. Why don't you relieve some pressure and get rid of it and sell some of that and give it towards those people in need? What's interesting about 2 Corinthians, it speaks about, and in Acts, about giving to the brothers. The giving happened within the community. And yes, it's good to partner with other things and projects outside there, and we should. But we need to start at home as well. We need to get to a place where we look at one another in the eye and say, there's enough here. So I'm trusting God that our benevolence will increase over the next few weeks as he speaks to us about this. And I said this morning that we're going to take up the offering at the end. And again, this is not a giving message. But this morning, if you feel already stirred in your heart to give more than what you purpose to give for your tithes and offering this morning, I want you to add that to the basket as a means of activating and applying this word. Don't want you to give emotionally. I want you to give out of a conviction of the Holy Spirit that you have a little bit more to give today. And what we will do is we'll take up one offering with the additional in there. We'll work on the average of what we get in over the past few weeks and that we will assign to our normal offering and tithes. But then everything over and above we will have available this week. And through leadership, we will make sure that that goes to families who is in need. Can we get your commitment for that? And then I ask that we would get to a place where we say, God, let me look at my life John Piper shares the story of how as a senior pastor, he closed the circle in his budget. He said, this is what I need to survive. And everything over and above that comes in, he just back into the kingdom. So he said, I want to live a simple life. There's the saying that says, I will live simply that others may simply live. This is what I need for that. And then years later, when he stepped out of his senior pastor role in his church, and they had to appoint a new senior pastor, they had to go to him and say, you know what, uh, the five rand that you closed on is not enough for the new pastor to live practically to survive on. But now we've got a little bit of a challenge. He's like, this is what we've been paying you. And he said, why should the new pastor earn what I earned all these years? Let him earn what he's supposed to earn because this is what God has led me in and I've always had enough. And that was amazing to hear how a leader like that got to that point where they say, this is what I need to be enough and everything else I give back into your kingdom. So my prayer this morning is that we would consider this. I don't see a whole lot of joyful faces all around at the moment. <laughs> but I can promise you it's the greatest joy to help someone out in your community. It's nothing more joyful than that. And my own personal walk with God, I sometimes still fall in the trap of getting, thinking if I have these things, I will have enough and I'll be happy. If I get my Dodge Viper, then I'll be a happy man. But God is constantly teaching me and Eliana that it's when we open our doors and share. And it's even when there's moments when we can open up our lives and say, you know what, it's going a little bit tight. Is there anyone that wants to invite us for dinner? Please don't invite us for dinner tonight. We already have plans. But it's being real. It's about being true community. And if you're not in a life group, use this opportunity. Say, you know what, I need that community around me so that I can have a place where there's honesty. Let's pray together. And the leaders, you guys can get ready for the offering up front while I pray. Lord, we come to you with humility in our hearts that you've taught us some things, Jesus, which is oftentimes a little harder to understand. 
and to grapple, Lord, maybe because of the life we've lived, maybe because of other principles that has preceded the principles of your word. Lord, and I pray this morning a simple prayer of wisdom that is from you for us as a, as a people. That we would consider the wisdom that comes from you and from your spirit and the wisdom that we saw in this New Testament church as the wisdom that we ought to live by. Lord, and that we know that in you is all that we need and it's more than enough. So I pray, Lord, as we, we leave from this room today that we, you would stir in our hearts that overwhelming joy that we see in Linda and Tabisa to help another person, to open up their house. That overwhelming joy we saw this week on Angel's face that she said she wants a church not just to get but to give. Lord, that we would be a people who, who find our joy in sharing our lives with others before we find it in anything else, Lord. Teach us how to do that with your gentle hand and your grace. Lord, and we trust you that we will see many witnesses and miracles come from this, this decision we make to follow you wholeheartedly with everything that we have. Thank you that you've entrusted to us by your grace the things that you've given to us. And I pray this morning for grace upon us, Lord, that we will excel in the grace of giving. Lord, and that that grace comes from you. We can't create grace. We can't make it happen just like we can't with joy. So Jesus Christ, come and let that grace rest upon us this morning. And not just this morning, but throughout. That we would be a people who are joyfully sharing what you've entrusted to us in Jesus' name. Amen.